0: For this month, our sermon series is Know Why You Believe. To know why you believe. We come to Christ uh, by faith. A lot of us uh, might not have a full understanding of doctrines and theology, but uh, we recognize a need for a Savior in our lives. We recognize that uh, we're in uh, a state that we can't do it on our own, that we need someone and something greater than ourselves and so we uh, are sensitive to the Spirit of God. He deals with us. He convicts us. He softens our hearts. And we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We are forgiven of our sins. We come to a place of repentance. And now the Bible says we are saved. It's what's called saved. And we have fellowship with the Father. We're able to talk to the Father because of the wonderful work that Christ did on the cross of Calvary there. This isn't our text, but in Hebrews 11, it says that without faith, it's impossible to uh, please God. Because when anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. We believe that God is real. We believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When I came to Christ, I didn't have to be convinced that, that there was a God in heaven. I knew in my heart of hearts that there was a God in heaven. And as we grow in Christ, as we grow in Jesus through prayer and through service and through the study of his word, we, we mature. And it's important that as we mature, we understand why we believe what we believe. Our series text is found in 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. The Bible says that we are to be prepared, to be ready, to be ready to explain, to be ready to clarify uh, to, uh, why we believe and what we believe. It might be someone who might have questions, and why is it that you believe, and why is it that Jesus was the answer for you, and the Bible says that we are to be prepared, to be ready to explain to that individual or individuals why we believe what we believe, and I know that some of the topics can be complex Some of the doctrines and the the theologies uh, can be a little complex, and that should motivate us to begin to study. And that's what the beauty of this uh, sermon series is. None of us here are going to become theologians within a month's course. But these sermon series are designed so that we can have a foundation to build on and so that there could be a generated an excitement and a stirring and a fire to want to dig deeper to want to study, to want to seek the heart and the mind of of God. And if I can add a little commercial here, next week we're going to have an awesome man of God speaking here, Pastor Bobby Marquez. He's going to be continuing in these sermon series, so you're not going to want to miss what's going to take place. Dr. Sinclair Ferguson, he said, We do not know God as he knows himself, but we really do know the one who knows himself. And what he's saying is that there might be some mysteries about God. There might be some things we don't fully comprehend uh, or understand concerning God and concerning his nature. But we know Jesus, and we know the one who knows himself. uh, And and what's so great is that uh, not only do we know Jesus, but he knows us, praise God. I like what Pastor Richard always says, um, that he doesn't want to serve a God that he can fully understand, something to that extent. In other words, God is such a powerful God, and his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts, and there's just going to be things about God that we might not fully grasp and fully understand at that moment, but uh, God will reveal himself to us as he sees fit and as what we need for our lives. And we can know and understand that as we seek Christ, uh, as we seek Jesus, uh, we know the one who knows himself. The Bible says one day we will see him as he is. This month, this month of January, marks my uh, 27th year anniversary of being a member here at New Harvest Christian Church. Man. 27 years ago, I, I walked in through these doors. I, I was 19 years old, running from Jesus God was trying to get a hold of me as a teenager and I didn't want it I ran from God I ran from the things of God I wanted the world I wanted the excitement of the world and you know at the age of 19 I was already done and already tired and I remember just uh, being by myself when afternoon in in a bedroom by myself just listening to music and all of a sudden the Spirit of God flooded this bedroom and the Spirit of God began to deal with me. You better get right. You better get your life right. And I remember just fighting with God, fighting with him because there was things in my life I wasn't ready to let go. And I knew that if I gave my life to Jesus Christ there were some things that I was going to have to cut loose. There were some people that I I was going to have to cut loose and I was fighting him. And I just remember the spirit of God dealing with me saying, you better get your life right. And I just said, okay, I give up. I think I actually said something like, you're not going to leave me alone, obviously, but if you want me to serve you, you're going to have to change my life. You're going to have to change my heart because I'm not ready to to give these things up. And, And man, he heard that prayer because that set off a course of events that changed my life forever. Those things that I was putting my trust and confidence in, God was removing them one by one, one by one. Whether they were friendships or things that I was hoping in and trusting in, one by one, God started removing those things from my life. And I began to read the Bible. I didn't have a church at that time. It was out in the streets, and I was looking for a church. I'd go to this church and that church and just kind of still one foot in the world and one foot in the things of God, no root. I was at a, a junior college out in Fullerton. I, my kids, I, I tell them I did the junior college tour when I got out of high school. I went to Rio Hondo and then Fullerton and then Cerritos and Long Beach. Finally, went to a vocational school. It, um, I was at this junior college, and I remember just this this day. I was reading the Bible. And this young man, about my age at the time, 1920, him and his, and his uh, friend, they came and they said, we see you're reading the Bible, uh, we're Christians too, would you like to join a Bible study? So I said, sure, why not? Remember we were reading the Bible, we were having a Bible study, and something just did not resonate well with me. Now, I, I, I wasn't rooted in the Word, I had very limited knowledge of the Bible, but something just did not settle well in my spirit Something just didn't click. Remember, I called my aunt, my uncle. They're, they're both born-again Christians, and I told them what was going on in my life. And they gave me some, they, they prayed with me, and they gave me some guidance and some direction and some wisdom. And I remember going back and having to make a decision. And God was just kept dealing with me and pressing on me. I said, you know what? I got to serve God, man. and I got to serve God, right? And I went back to this group. They, they, they wanted to have one more Bible study. And I said, look, it, I've made up my mind. I'm going to serve Christ. I'm going to serve Jesus. But I'm not going to serve him with you guys. There's something about you guys that just isn't right. And I turned around and I walked away. I walked away. And as I walked away, I felt the burden just lift up off of my shoulders. I literally felt the hand of God just take the yoke and this weight that I was carrying for so long, and he removed it from my back, and I felt free, and I began to just say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, so excited, man, this, this uh, experience that I had. A Few weeks later, I found myself here at New Harvest Christian Church. Driving, coming down, I had taken my mom to, a, to a, a doctor visit, and the light was red, and I stopped here. Looked up at that old sign. Remember that old sign, some of you old timers? Right? And I looked at the, the doors faced Imperial Highway, and coming out of those doors were young people like my age. And I said, I'm going to give this church a try. What do I got to lose? My brother and I, we went that Sunday, and the rest is history. I've been here 27 years since. Hallelujah. I say that to say this though that during that whole experience during that whole ordeal God was showing me two things. He's showing me two things, very important things that I've that have stuck with me. Is number 1, I needed to take my salvation serious. I needed to start taking it serious because God took it serious. He shed perfect innocent blood. So that I could be saved. And I wasn't taking it serious. I was taking it loosely and I was taking it for granted. I had one foot in the world and one foot in the things of God. And God was showing me just how serious he takes salvation. The difference between heaven and hell. And that I needed to take that salvation just as serious. And you know what else he impressed upon me? is I better know what I believe in. Because these young men... uh, were reading the same Bible that I was reading, but yet they were twisting the word to their own advantage. And I knew I had to know and understand what I believed in. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, Who is over all and through all and in all. Tonight, I titled this message, The Triune God. The Triune God. During your walk with God, inevitably you will come across uh, someone or someones that uh, do not believe in the same doctrine that you might believe in. They might say they believe in God. They might say they have a relationship with him. They may even say they believe in Jesus, but they will disagree with some fundamental truths concerning who God is. And they may even use the scripture to back it up. We have to remember that scripture will interpret scripture. That's why we will cross-reference different scriptures when we're doing studies. That it's important that we read Scripture in their proper context. Last week, Pastor Dan, in his message, he mentioned that the enemy's strategy is to sow seeds of doubt. To get us to doubt God, to get us to doubt His word, to get us to doubt His protection and His provision and His power and His love we can see in the bible the examples of when the enemy was successful when he did it to adam and eve and when he said did god say and adam and eve questioned what god had told them he tried doing it in the life of john the baptist uh, when john the baptist asked his disciples to, and to ask jesus if jesus was the one or should he seek another and i love what jesus says he He tells his disciples, uh, go back to him and tell him all that you've seen and all that you've heard. Tell him about the miracles that they've seen Jesus do and the gospel of of love and of salvation that they've heard Jesus speak. And and that enough, uh, John will know. See, God is not hidden. God wants us to know him. He's revealed himself uh, to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And we can experience him uh, through the help and the comfort and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The good news tonight is that the enemy's been defeated. His lies have been exposed and defeated. And the weapons that he would form against our lives and our faith, the Bible says, will not prosper. And the reason is because we serve a real God. We serve a mighty God. We serve the great I Am, the Bible says, the Alpha and the Omega, the one true God of heaven and earth. Uh, Yes, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one. And my first note today is that God is one. The Bible teaches that there is only one true God. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 35. And if you're not taking notes, I really encourage you to take notes or go back later and take notes as you watch it on YouTube, because I'm going to be giving a whole lot of scriptures tonight. It says, to you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God, and there is none other beside him. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In Isaiah 43:11, it says, I, even I am the Lord, and besides me there is no other Savior. The word for Lord there is the word Adonai. And when we're talking about the Trinity, we're not talking about three different gods, but rather that there is one God who coexists eternally in three distinct persons. There's religious uh, organizations and religious beliefs out there that uh, they claim to maybe believe in Jesus uh, and the Spirit of God, but they will not acknowledge their deity The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are each God, and each are eternal, and each are distinct from the other. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Praise God. The same yesterday, today, and forever, he says. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Jesus is saying here, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Again, the word for Lord is Adonai. In John 1.1, it says of Jesus uh, that in the beginning was the word, the Logos, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. In the book of Hebrews 9.14, the Holy Ghost is referenced as the Eternal Spirit. We've read the story and we've heard the story in the book of Acts chapter 5 about Ananias and Sapphira. This was at the time of the early church. uh, And many of the disciples, they were selling their properties and they were bringing the proceeds and they were laying them at the feet of the disciples. They believed in the church. They believed in the move of God. They believed in what Jesus was doing. and, And they were so radical that they were selling what they owned and they were giving their proceeds to the disciples so that they could continue to spread the gospel. And there was a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, and they too had some land, and they sold it. And, and rather than uh, just be honest and say, hey, we're going to keep some, but we're going to give some, they gave the impression that they were giving all of their proceeds to the church. And in verse 3, Peter said to them, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? He jumped down to verse 4. And Peter says, you have not lied to men, but to God. Here is Peter, an apostle in the early church. He walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He was instructed by Jesus himself. uh, And he understood uh, that uh, lying to the spirit was equivalent, the same was to lying to God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. There are beliefs out there that the Spirit of God uh, isn't God but some impersonal force. But you can't grieve an impersonal force. The Spirit of God is God, and you can grieve the Spirit of God. We see the Trinity during the baptism of Jesus. In Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, this is when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my son, in you I am well pleased. What an awesome picture we see here of the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, as he's being baptized and as he's coming out of the water, the Spirit of God is descending upon him. And those heavens open and here the voice of God is saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. We also see Jesus himself acknowledge the Trinity when he gave his disciples the Great Commission. Matthew 28, Jesus is about to ascend back into heaven. And he gives his disciples the commandment to go out and make disciples. And he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. We understand authority. We, some of us might be supervisors at work, and we have authority. And some of us... Uh, might have been in the military and understand what authority means. And Jesus is saying that all the authority in heaven and on earth, all the authority that God has uh, belongs to Jesus. And with that authority, he tells them, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name, on name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say go baptize them in the names, plural, but singular name. The Erdman's Bible Dictionary reads The doctrine of the Trinity is an expression for the revelation of the one God in three persons Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And the basis in scripture on which it was built can be summarized as follows There is only one God. Each of the three divine persons is recognized to be God. R.C. Sproul, he said the classical formula for the Trinity says that God is one in essence, or being, and three in person. Nabil Qureshi he was a former devout Muslim, turned born-again Christian, and was uh, heavy in apologetics prior to his, his death, he breaks it down as follows. The doctrine of the Trinity teaches that God is three persons in one being. The key is that person and being are not the same thing. And I'll give you the example. I belong to the human race. Each and every one of us, we belong to the human race, right? I am also a person. When I introduce myself, I don't go out and say, hello, human being." but I introduce myself as my person. Hello, I am Manny Free. I have my own traits that describe me, my own uh, traits that describe my personality and my character. I have roles that define me. Christian, husband, father. I'm an individual. Each and every one of us here, we're individuals. We have our own hopes and dreams. I have my own goals. I also have my own disappointments, my own frustrations, and even my own failures. I have my own strengths. I have my own weaknesses. When you treat someone as a person, you acknowledge those differences. There might be some similarities, but it's our uniqueness that makes us individuals. The Bible says that before we were even in our mother's wombs, That God knew us. He knew us as the person that uh, he created us to be. He knew us as the individuals he created us to be. Fearfully and wonderfully made in his precious image. And when you treat someone as a human, you acknowledge that you're not different. That you are equal in the eyes of God and that uh, they too are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And and because uh, you recognize someone as human, you're able to extend love to them. You're able to extend forgiveness to them. You're able to extend grace and mercy to them, even if they don't deserve those things. Because you recognize that they're human just like you. That they're human just like me that they're a sinner in need of a Savior, just like each and every one of us in here. And so we've now made this distinction between an individual's essence or being and their personhood. You say, is is the Trinity found in the Bible? It is. The Trinity is in the Bible. People will say, well, you know, Manny, you're wrong, because Trinity, the word Trinity is not found in the Bible. And can I say that just because it's not found in the Bible does not mean that he's not in the Bible. And i give you an example. If you ever read the book of Esther, throughout the whole story of Esther, the name of God is not mentioned. I don't even think you hear his voice in in the book of Esther. There's no mention of God, but as you read the book of Esther, you can't help but to see God's fingerprints all over that drama. From the beginning to the end, uh, we understand that it was God that raised up Esther for such a time as this. We understand that it was God that moved upon her to call that fast. And we understand that as the people prayed and fasted for three days, we knew who they're praying and fasting to. And when we've seen God turn the events around, uh, even though God's name isn't mentioned there, we understand and know that it was God that moved on Israel's behalf. It was God that moved and saved that people. And there's times in our life where we say, man, God is so silent. Uh, Man, I haven't heard or seen from God. Is God even out there? And we understand that God is moving on our behalf. That he's opening and closing doors on our behalf. That he's behind the scenes and he's working things out for our good and for our benefit. And that should encourage some of us tonight. Uh, you might be going through it. You might be experiencing some loss. You might be experiencing some trial. And you're thinking, where's God in this? God hasn't left. He might be silent, but he's not absent. He's constantly working behind the scenes. We can see the fingerprints of the Trinity when it comes to creation. They were asking, it was a little story, and and I don't know how true it was, but uh, St. Patrick's, right, the the Irish missionary, when he was witnessing and ministering to the pagans in the land, they said, how can uh, God be three-in-one, and he picked up a three-leaf clover, And he says, you see here, this is three distinct leaves on one clover to kind of get them to understand that, right? If you look in creation, you can see the fingerprints of God. You think about the universe. No way, it just came to existence. But the universe, uh, I believe, uh, showed the fingerprints of God. uh, Space, time, and matter. Without any one of those three, you would have no universe. In the book of Genesis, it says, in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was out with, without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Verse 27 says, said, So God created man in his own image. You think about that. You're created in the image of God. You are created in the moral image of God. You are intelligently designed. You're not random. But you were created by God with a purpose. You are his handiwork. And that should make you feel encouraged tonight. Because the world has a way of making you feel discouraged. And the world has a way of making you feel worthless. And the world has a a way of making you feel like you don't have any value. And God says, you are the work of my fingertips. You're created in my image. You are valuable to me. Job understood that. In Job 33, 4, he says, the spirit of God has made me. And the breath of the almighty gives me life. That's awesome tonight. Book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 16, 17, it says, For by him, talking about Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. We are created for him and by him. That's the good news tonight, man. The good news and the, the greatest love story is that because God so loved us so much, He redeemed us, and redeemed us, but with the precious blood of His Son Jesus Christ, to keep us from ex- having to experience the penalties of sin. The Bible says that those penalties is death, and we have that opportunity as we repent and come to Christ, man, that we can be forgiven of those sins. Amen? That's the amazing plan of salvation, and that's where we see the Trinity to shine the most is in the plan of salvation, the plan of our salvation. In John ten thirty. Jesus says, I and my Father are one. And in context, Jesus was talking about he and the Father are one in purpose, and the purpose of salvation for a sinful and fallen world. That the Son was in perfect harmony with the Father to bring about the plan of salvation. And we believe that that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are united and work in unity to redeem the lost. John 6, 44, Jesus says, No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Jesus is saying if you want to get to the Father, if you want to have a relationship with God, it's through him. It's through the Son. John 16, uh, 13 through 16 says, However, then, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come, and he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. That authority that Jesus has, that authority that was given to him by the Father, he in turn gives it to the Holy Spirit so that he can declare it to you and I. Ephesians 2.18, it says, For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. In Romans 8, 19 uh, through 11, it says, If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, again the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ is the same Holy Spirit, then uh, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells inside of you. And then lastly in Titus 3, verse 4 and 6, he says, but when the kindness and the love of our God, uh, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of of regeneration and renewing of the holy spirit uh, whom he poured out on us abundantly through jesus christ our savior we see him at work to bring about the salvation of you and i right the god's plan for salvation the father's love for his children his children that were lost and understand that uh, because of sin god cannot be a part of sin And if we die in our sin, the penalty of that sin, uh, the penalty of dying in our sin is that eternal separation from God. But because he loved us so much, uh, his son, Jesus, willingly laid down his life uh, to redeem that lost. The Bible says he is that word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And he willingly laid down his life on his own power and his own authority. He took it up on the third day. Defeating the devil, defeating hell, defeating sin, defeating the grave. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that softens our hearts, man. that works patiently in our lives, uh, who deals with us uh, and, and turns our hardened, hardened, calloused hearts into hearts of flesh that can be pliable in the master's hand. See, as born-again Christians and as a worship team comes up, we know about the abundant life. We know that the devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but Jesus says he's come to give us that life, and that life in abundance. But Jesus just didn't die to give us an abundant life. He died to give us an eternal life, and a life that will forever be with him in eternity. Have that fellowship with the Father and with the Son, with the Holy Spirit in eternity. He is our Jireh, our provider, and He gives us what we need and when we need it. Uh, you need comfort in this place well, Jesus has given us His Spirit, the Comforter. You need healing tonight in this place, uh, Sister Yoveta was singing, God has given us His Son and the Bible says that by the stripes of Jesus Christ uh, we're healed. You need the love and protection and the security of the Father. God gave us access to Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we can come to God and we can call Him Father. We can bring our fears and our worries, and we can bring our cares to Him. We can receive His encouragement and His comfort and His assurance that He has everything under control. God is always present in the lives of His children. There is nothing hidden from God, the Bible says. He sees all. He sees all. He sees our highs and he sees our lows. He sees our victories. He sees our defeats. He sees our triumphs. He sees our fears. And there's nothing that you and I can do that we can earn his love. And there's nothing that we can have done that will make him love us any less. And it was his love for each and every one of us. It was his love for each and every one of us that... uh, He laid out that plan for salvation so that our names can be forgiven and our names are uh, written in the Lamb's Book of Life. God has always existed. And he sent us and he gave us his Son and he gave us his Holy Spirit so that we can experience him in a real and tangible way. We can feel the presence of God. We can feel the warmth of his love. I feel the warmth of his touch when our bodies are sick. We can feel his embrace and his covering when we're afraid or worried or doubtful. God doesn't want to stay hidden from us, but God has given us himself to re- so that we could know him. He's revealed himself to each and every one of us tonight. And in closing, I, I end with this. In the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 13, 13, verse 14, it says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Do I believe in the Trinity? I absolutely do, because he's throughout the whole scriptures. And I've experienced, I've experienced a touch of the Holy Spirit experienced him in an awesome and mighty way throughout different seasons in my life I know Jesus Christ I know him personally as my Lord and as my Savior as my Redeemer as my friend I confess him openly and without shame I love him and I know that I'm loved by him and I know God i know god the father i've felt his touch i've felt his love i've felt his comfort i have felt his protection i've seen his provision in my life i know god is real i know he exists and if you're in this place tonight and you might have worry or you might have doubt You got to taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good, because I could stay up here all night till I'm blue in the face trying to prove to you, but it's not my job to prove that God is real. God exists. The Bible says He has written eternity in each and every one of our hearts. You know God is real, and that's why there's that struggle. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know that there's that struggle. You've heard the gospel before with our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight, you've heard